Welcome to Russian History Retold. Episode 265, Mikhail Kutuzov, Military Genius and Napoleon's Nemesis, Part 1. Last time, we took a journey on the Trans-Siberian Railway. Today, we go back in time to the days of the invasion of Russia by Napoleon, discussing the life and times of one of his biggest enemies, General Mikhail Kutuzov. I'm going to go off script for a second here. One of the reasons that this series is, I'm doing a five-part series on Kutuzov is not just because of him. And mind you, he was an incredible person in Russian history. The reason I'm doing this is because this time period in Russian history sets things up for the Russian Revolution of 1905 and 1917. It is after Kutuzov defeats Napoleon, that the Russian army, especially the officers, were able to see how the rest of Europe lived. And then coming back home, seeing how bad things really were in Russia and that things needed to be changed. The next event would be the Decemberist Revolution after uh, Tsar Alexander I took over or died and Nicholas I took over. And that was in 1825. So this sets up an incredible cascade of events in Russian history, which is why I think it deserves this five-part series, rotating around a single man, Mikhail Kutuzov. Now, my primary source of information for this episode is the 2022 biography, Kutuzov, A Life in War and Peace by Alexander Mikaburdze. It is a massive work, and coming in at over 500 pages, with over 200 additional pages of notes and bibliography. Mich- uh, Prince Mikhail Ilyaranovich Golnishetchev Kutuzov was born in St. Petersburg on September 16, 1745. His father, Lieutenant General Alarion Matveyevich Kutuzov, had served for over 30 years with the Corps of Engineers, and had seen action against the Turks. Wikipedia alleged that Ilarion served under Peter the Great, but that would have been kind of impossible, as he would have to have been seven years old when Tsar Peter died. Of Mikhail's mother, we know almost nothing, except that she was highborn from the Bedrinsky family. However, recently uncovered historical data suggests that her name was Anna Ilarionovna Bedrinskaya. Kutuzov's family could be traced back to Alexander Nevsky around 1250, although Mikaburdze claims this assertion may be unfounded. However, his claim is a bit shaky, so I'll go with the majority of historians. The General Armory of the Nobility of the Russian Empire, a record of Russian noble households, claims that the Kutuzov family founder was a man named Gavril, who came to Russia, and in particular Novgorod, from Prussia. Mikhail was the 14th generation descendant of Gavril. Another exciting story is how the family got the name Kutuzov. As Russian novelist Nikolai Gogol writes, the Russian folk expressed themselves forcefully. If they endow someone with a nickname, it applies to a person's kin and prosperity, 
And that person will take it with him to his job and to retirement and to the ends of the earth. So the nickname given to the great-grandson of Gavriel, Alexander, was Kutuz, or hot-tempered one. This would translate into Kutuzov with Alexander's eldest son, Fyodor. Another Kutuz, Vasily, married into a wealthy Novgorodian family, the Golanishche, and became mayor of Novgorod. This was the start of the Golanishchev Kutuzov branch of the family where Mikhail belonged. Over the years, they went in and out of favor with the czars until the Romanovs took control after the time of troubles. They would elevate the family due to their participation in several wars against Persia, Sweden, and Poland. They became even more influential and wealthy as Kutuzov's great-great-grandfather, Ivan Ivanovich, was an adjutant to the Field Marshal Count Boris Shermetev during the Great Northern War. Ivan's grandson, Ilarion, would be Mikhail's father. Ilarion would have a distinguished career as a military engineer. His accomplishments included directing the construction projects at Kronstadt, Vyborg, and the St. Petersburg Arsenal. This was done under the reign of Catherine the Great. His military career would come to a halt after he was injured in the Russo-Ottoman War of 1768-1774. He would retire as a lieutenant general and become a senator within the supreme legislature of the Russian Empire. As for the topic of our episode today, Mikhail Kutuzov, as famous as he was, he has a disputed date and place of birth. According to his Wikipedia page, he was born on September 16, 1745. But according to his record of service, when asked in early 1791 how old he was, he wrote 43. This would have made his year of birth 1747. And he also could not have been born in 1745, as his older sister Anna was born in 1746. And this is why it's really difficult to accept what's on Wikipedia and why I always look at multiple sources for the information on this podcast. Also, there is no record of his birth in St. Petersburg. But this is not surprising, as children of the nobility typically were born on their country estates. There are no church records in the capital for his birth, as was Russian tradition. The Kutuzov family had several estates in Piskov, run by Ilarion's mother-in-law, which is where he was likely to have been born. Mikhail's mother supposedly died in 1755 while giving birth to his younger sister, Daria. This would leave the young eight-year-old with no mother, no paternal grandparents, and a habitually absent father. However, his maternal grandmother, Praskovia Bedrinskaya would provide the warmth and attention he needed growing up. As a child, according to Mikaberdze, quote, Kutuzov stood out among other children for having not the slightest inclination for playfulness, always avoiding his peers and seeking the company of adults whom he peppered with numerous questions. 
a pensive and precocious child. He was so curious that he could spend an entire day asking questions and listening to adults responding to his queries. As a member of the nobility, Kutuzov was probably taken care of by many souls or serfs on his family's estates. As Russian satirist Mikhail Saltikov Shesherdin would write, the noble child, quote, grew up in the lap of serfdom, was fed on the milk of a serf woman, brought up by serf nurses, and witnessed the horrors of the bondage of serfdom in all their grimness. While the nobility had many perks and benefits, according to one foreign visitor, quote, the Russian nobility is the poorest in the whole wide world. Writer Nikolai Turgenev would add, quote, In some villages, there are noblemen whom you cannot tell apart from peasants, either by their appearance or by their way of life and work. The Golnish Chevchev Kutuzovs were by no means part of the poorer nobility. Oh, quite on the contrary. They were part of the upper 2% who owned more than 500 souls. This was due to the family's faithful service to the monarchy. They were granted estates and serfs in 1633, 1659, 1663, and 1670. In 1673, they received additional estates by order of Catherine the Great, and those previously granted were confirmed. While many members of the nobility were woefully uneducated, this was not the case for the son of Ilarion Matvevich. As noted by Mikaberdze, quote, Young Mikhail learned mathematics, geometry, history, and geography. He showed an aptitude for languages, learning German, French, and Latin. In later years, he gained proficiency in Polish, Swedish, and Turkish and all this served him well throughout his long career. When Peter the Great reformed the Russian military, he made it obligatory that nobility serve, but with the understanding that they would begin as a private, moving up through the ranks based on merit rather than status. However, when Peter died in 1725, the creative aristocrats figured a way around the restrictions by listing them on the roster of a regiment pretty much from the day they were born. They would accrue seniority from day one, which allowed them to enter real service as a commissioned officer. We have very little knowledge of Kutuzov's childhood until he reached the age of 11 when he was admitted to the Joint Artillery and Engineer Noble School. The school was created under the orders of Empress Elizabeth in 1758. Kutuzov would be granted entry the following year, but was initially given a deferment. But that was short-lived as his father would be given a commission in St. Petersburg, where the school was. The typical attendee at the Joint Artillery and Engineer Noble School would take three years to complete their studies. Kutuzov, though, was no ordinary student. He graduated in just 16 months. Mikhail was only 14 years of age, so it wasn't surprising when they asked him to stay at school for just a little bit longer. During his days at the school, Europe was enveloped in the Seven Years' War. With the Prussians on the brink of defeat by the Russian army, 
Empress Elizabeth passed away with her son Peter III, a Prusophile, taking control and signing a peace treaty with the Russians of the Prussians. Peter also signed the Manifesto on the Freedom of the Nobility, which freed the aristocracy from forced service in the military. However, this did nothing to derail Kutuzov's career, as he felt that service to his country was more important than living a life of a nobleman. In March of 1762, Mikhail was assigned to the staff of Prince Peter August Friedrich, Duke of Schleswig-Holstein-Sonderburg-Beck. That's a mouthful. He was a former Prussian turned Russian military leader who, while serving the monarchy in his newly adopted country, did not speak Russian very well. Therefore, Kutuzov was likely placed on his staff due to his knowledge of many languages. Unfortunately for the Duke, Peter was overthrown and murdered in 1762, replaced by his wife, Catherine. Mikhail would be transferred to a new command of his own, the Astrahansky Infantry Regiment, based out of St. Petersburg. Not Astrahan, which many historians have claimed. Now, this would be the turning point of his career, as he would serve under one of the most outstanding military leaders in world history, General Alexander Vasilievich Suvorov. Many have claimed that Suvorov and Kutuzov developed a strong relationship during this time, but the truth of the matter is, they were only together for eight months. Also, since Kutuzov was still a mere 15 years old and fresh out of military school, this relationship would likely have been less than robust. Still, since Suvorov was already a legend, his influence on the young Mikhail was undoubtedly very powerful. One of the wily general's sayings was, quote, train hard, fight easy. He would also continue with the saying, train easy and you will have hard fighting. Suvorov was also not a fan of marching, fanfare, parade drills, or ceremonial frills. Instead, he believed in long marches, crossing rivers, bayonet charges, and other things to stimulate or simulate actual combat. He also has treated his soldiers better than most military leaders of the day. This would carry on to how Kutuzov would lead his men in battle. Kutuzov's first military campaign began in 1764, when Catherine the Great wanted to have her man, Stanislaus Poniatowski, elected as the new leader of Poland. This was achieved later in the year when the Polish parliament, the Szem, voted in favor of one of Catherine's past lovers. There was some fighting between the Russian forces and Poles opposed to Poniatowski, and there is some evidence that Kutuzov was involved, but we're really not entirely sure. Nevertheless, the Russian side was victorious in the fighting, in which Mikhail was said to have participated in. In 1766, Catherine called the Legislative Commission to reform Russia's legal system, as well as the central and local governments, education, public health, and the military. Mikhail would be one of 21 officers to be part of the 564 strong delegates to the commission. His job, according to Mika Birdsey, quote, Kutuzov was assigned to the Justice Commission and was responsible for maintaining meeting notes, 
drafting agendas, copying laws, and preparing documents for the commission's approval. Today, some documents reside in the Russian archives, telling us quite a bit about Mikhail's enormous skill set. But, unfortunately, the Legislative Commission failed in its attempts to reform Russia, being disbanded in 1768. It was after the end of the ill-fated commission that would take up Kutuzov's time. The first was the fighting in Poland to quell any challenges to the now King Stanislaw Poniatowski's reign. This meant fighting the Bar Confederation, which was formed in 1768 to defend the internal and external independence of the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth against Russian political influence. While this was, for the most part, an unsuccessful challenge, it did precipitate a new war with the Ottoman Empire. Because of the incursion into Poland to deal with the Bar Confederation, the Turks believed it indirectly challenged the security of the Ottoman Empire and its ally, the Crimean Khanate. As a result, the Russo-Ottoman War of 1768-1774 would be fought, radically changing Kutuzov's life in more ways than one. The Ottomans demanded Russia withdraw from Poland and stop interfering with their government. After the Russians flat-out refused, the Ottomans took the Russian ambassador prisoner on October 6, 1768, and declared war on their northern neighbor yet again. And that's an incident that Kutuzov would not forget. The Ottomans had been at peace with Europe for about 30 years prior to their engagement with the Russians. Then, however, they dealt with another rising power, the Persians, under Nadir Shah. While having an army about three times the size of the Russians, the new Grand Vizier, Mehmed Emin Pasha, would prove himself incompetent militarily. On top of that, those 30 years would cause the Ottomans to miss out on some significant advancements in armaments, as well as weaken their already corrupt military organizationally. In January 1769, Crimean Khan Kerem Gurey invaded the Russian-held territories in modern-day Ukraine. Crimean Tatars and Nogais ravaged New Siberia, or New Serbia, excuse me, and took a significant number of prisoners. While the early victories over the Russians encouraged the Turks, it would not turn out well for them. There would be three Russian armies, and they would advance towards their southern enemies. The overall leader, aside from Empress Catherine, was Prince Alexander Golitsyn, who would lead the main force, the First Army. Count Peter Romanyansev would lead the Second Army, with General Peter Olitz leading the smallest army, the Third. Kutuzov would serve under Romanyansev. Romanyansev was the son of one of Peter the Great's closest advisors. He would serve the Russian army in the Russo-Swedish War of 1741-43 to and the Seven Years' War of 1756-63. to The latter war would show off the skills of fighting the Prussians and their leader, Frederick the Great. In the early summer of 1770, Romanyansev began his push against the Ottoman Empire. The Turks' army, total number of soldiers and cavalrymen, were about 200,000. The Russians had about 70,000. 
So instead of waiting for all the Ottoman troops to gather together, Romanyansev decided to go on the offensive. On July 17th, the Russians began to build bridges to cross the Larga River in the dead of night to surprise their enemies. Then, at 4 a.m., they started their assault on the camp of the Turks. It would turn into a major rout. As Mikobirdze puts it, quote, The Russian attack unfolded so rapidly and efficiently, by late afternoon, the battle was over. The Ottomans were forced to evacuate their main camp and flee leaving behind over a thousand killed or wounded, eight banners, more than 30 cannons, and much of their supply train. The Russian losses amounted to 29 dead and 62 wounded. Kutuzov, who was now 23, did so well and heroically that he was promoted to premier major, skipping the rank of second major. Even though the Ottomans had an additional 150,000 men to confront the Russians, their forces were no match for their adversaries. Moreover, their years of peace had weakened them so much that they had no effective means of defending themselves. As Ahmed Rezmi Effendi, an Ottoman statesman, and Mikaburdze put it, quote, The pashas gathered around them a filthy horde of thieves and homeless who left nothing but destruction and ruin in their passage. The men of state, in order to maintain the proper pomp and circumstance in the wilderness, were accompanied by up to 1,000 red-cloaked, showy, personal retainers who were good for nothing but decorating the roadway. Effendi further complained that the camp followers were, quote, tent pitchers, servants, beggars, and hucksters, parasites, perhaps Jews and infidels, and the riffraff of Istanbul, who burdened the army and hampered its operations. On August 1st, Romanyansev and Kutuzov launched a significant attack on the Ottoman lines with such ferocity that the Crimean Tatar cavalry, their most robust fighting unit, collapsed and fled the battlefield. By the end of the day, the Ottomans had suffered 20,000 casualties, along with losing 120 cannons. The Russians lost approximately 1,000 men, but also gained the entire Ottoman camp. Now, even though they had won a major victory, they did not ease up. They continued to pursue the Turks to the shore of the Danube River. The enemy had abandoned everything in their hands to try to escape across the river. Many drowned and thousands were captured. Finally, the Battle of Kagul was over, and Rumanyansev was given the rank of field marshal as a reward. The fighting was paused in late summer to allow the Russian troops to refresh themselves. Then they would go into winter quarters, which would have had Kutuzov working as quartermaster, which he supposedly dreaded. Instead, he requested reassignment to the Smolensky and Stolokovsky infantry regiments. In 1771, things began to turn against the Russian positions along the Danube. The Ottomans' main thrust was in the area around Bucharest. Despite having almost overwhelming numbers, the Turks again were no match for the tactical superiority of Rumyansev and the fighting skills of the battle-hardened Russian troops. Kutuzov had a front-row seat in the battles against the Ottomans, learning valuable lessons. As he wrote before the war, he, quote, did not comprehend the war, 
and had gained a genuine understanding of the art of war only under the influence of the great hero of Larga and Kagul. The next few years, though, would be extremely tough on Kutuzov. It would fundamentally change him from being a gregarious, witty, fun-loving senior officer into a serious and solemn man. The change would begin with the night of drinking during the spring of 1772. While hanging out with his fellow officers at a night spot in Bucharest, Kutuzov began telling stories about the battles and the preparation while doing impersonations, one of which was of Roman Yansef. While many in the group laughed at the performance, one of the men who supposedly had a grudge against Kutuzov reported the incident to Roman Yansef, who immediately removed Kutuzov from the list of men to receive awards for meritorious service against the Ottomans. He was also forced to leave the First Army. Kutuzov was lucky enough, though, to get a transfer to the Second Army in Crimea. The now disgraced officer was lucky to have made his way to the Crimea because his commanding officer, Prince Vasily Dolgorukov, deeply admired Kutuzov and valued his talent and experience. Kutuzov's father, though, he was extremely upset with his son and admonished him, telling him to rein in his behavior and act more like a real officer. It would begin the transformation of his personality. An incident would occur that would put Kutuzov on the doorstep of death, further changing him. So that is where we will start next time. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Join me next time when we continue the story of Mikhail Kutuzov. So until then, das vidanya y spasiba za venya manya. <laughs>